The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. We are joined by the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, who, of course, for the first um, two years of his tenure was largely taken up with issues pertaining to COVID. And now that that is abating to whatever extent it is abating, all of the endemic issues that had previously applied to the health service still remain to be fixed. So there is all of the challenges around waiting lists. There are all of the challenges around uh, crowding in A&E. There's all the challenges around burnout among non-consultant hospital doctors and ED staff and all of that and we will be talking to him about what the plans are in respect of that. Before that, a couple of small immediate issues, first among them being uh, monkeypox and the issue of vaccines, because we've seen the first case of monkeypox on the island of Ireland. Paul Reid from the HSE has said that there's being moves made to get vaccines. From where and how many? There are vaccines coming in. So we we have about 200 or so, a little over 200 cases reported in Europe Thankfully, a very, very small number of them have been hospitalised and I'm advised that that's where people had underlying conditions, immunocompromised. Um, We have a confirmed case as of yesterday in the east of the country. Um, And what the HSC has secured is what's called third generation smallpox vaccine. That's on its way in now. The department uh, sought advice from NIAC. Uh, on how to deploy them. We have that advice and it's it's limited. So Yeah, 200 help. doesn't sound like a huge number. It's not. No, a peep, peep cases that are that are around Europe at the moment. The the public health advice I have and for any of your listeners, the place to go is is the HSE site. There's very good clinically uh, 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 clinically sound advice there. And but you're going the, to the, deploy the vaccines to whom? Is it just healthcare workers? It's not so much about being deployed. So they're going to be offered. They'll be offered to healthcare workers who would be working with patients who, who might have contracted monkeypox. Uh, and there may be cases where there are high risk close contacts uh, of a given case who might be offered the vaccine as well. However, critically, as, as you've said, Anton, um, it's it's not airborne. It's not something that is easily cut and so using the normal PPE and the normal procedures the trained clinicians would use of course that's the that's the main and that's line of course of within the hospital setting beyond the hospital setting the WHO says that they don't know if this is the tip of the iceberg what's the adv- advice that you're getting in respect of the overall spread of the virus the advice i have is that it's still very it's still very small right because it 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 it's not easily transmitted from person to person. And again, all the methods of transmission are available on the HSC site. So the public health teams in Ireland, the focus is very much uh, on containing it, you know, finding and where someone does have a case, obviously they'll get the best possible care. uh, They'll be isolated. They're doing contact tracing and all the things you would expect sensible public health measures. I mentioned at the start, obviously, that you have significant challenges facing you beyond immediate uh, virus responses, uh, particularly in respect of reforms within the healthcare to remove waiting lists, uh, to remove the stresses on medics and all the rest of it. Can we start with that thing of pressure on medics? The Irish Times reporting today, two thirds of emergency doctors suffering burnout survey fines. And it goes on to say that across 89 countries, 62% of those who responded had at least one symptom of burnout. 31% of medics said that they had two symptoms of burnout. Now, that is an output of some of the challenges of the way the health system works, which are now squarely in your lap with COVID behind you. What's the plan to resolve that and the rest of it? The plan is universal healthcare. That's where we're going. It's a very simple idea. It's a profoundly important idea. And I believe it's one of the most important and unfinished projects of our republic. 
universal health care has three criteria, three tests. And what it means is for anyone, for any boy or girl or woman or man in our country, when they need health care, can they get it quickly? Is it good quality and is it affordable? Um, and in Ireland, whilst there's, there is very understandable focus on the things that don't work, because when things don't work in healthcare, obviously they're so serious. But actually, in terms of affordability, there's a lot of progress being made. Now, there are areas where there still needs to be more work, obviously. But just this year, for example, the drug payment scheme is, uh, has come down from 114 to 80 euro a month. It's a big difference. We're bringing in free GP care now for six and seven year olds. One of the ones I'm particularly excited about is we're bringing in free contraception, starting with young women aged 17 to 25. Ultimately, we want to roll that out for everybody. It's a it's a it's a big big thing. One of the things yeah. I want to see next year, for example, is the start of public funding for IVF. Okay, now all of that is well and good, but if we go back to Slonja Care, there are a couple of overarching objectives in terms of timing. So inpatient treatment, the target within Slonja Care is that you should be able to be treated as an inpatient within 12 weeks. So you get a referral, you meet your consultants, three months later you get treatment. As an outpatient, that should be 10 weeks, a month and a half mm. you get your treatment, or rather two and a half months you get treatment. For diagnostics, you shouldn't have to wait more than 10 days from point of referral. Mm. And for emergency departments, you should not have to wait more than four hours post-triage to get whatever treatment. We are miles away from those numbers. We are. So this is one of the big areas of focus uh, right across the board. So what what are we doing? First, First of all, I've convened a waiting list task force and more importantly allocated 350 million euro for this year. So that's a combination of um, teams within the HSE, community care teams, mainly hospital teams, as well as the NTPF spending a very large amount of money to try and get people the care they need now. So targeting things like people who've been waiting too long. One of the ones I'm uh, particularly keen on and focused on is we've put 19 million into children with scoliosis, spina bifida and other orthopaedic issues. And there is there is now phenomenal work going on in CHI and in Kappa to that effect. So the first thing we're doing is short term fixes with a lot of money recognising that too many people are waiting too long. The second thing we're doing is we're building up hospital capacity. So while we have been dealing with COVID, and I think our healthcare workers, we deserve so much credit when we look at how Ireland has done on COVID. Um, At the same time, we've added more beds, more clinicians, more diagnostics to our hospital system uh, than any year on record. The third thing we're doing is we're building up community care. We're essentially building an entire new public health uh, system of care closer to people's homes, out of the community. And then the fourth thing we're doing is with all of this extra capacity is we're modernising the healthcare system. And the way I think about it, Anton, is we're turning the healthcare system inside out. So the the old-fashioned way of healthcare is you you go into your GP. There's something wrong with you that the G, you know the GP can't fix themselves, so they refer you into the local hospital, uh, and you wait far too long to see a consultant. We're completely changing that. We're putting in a new level of care in the community, closer to people's homes, so the GP can say, "I don't need to refer you into the hospital." I'm going to refer you to an advanced nurse practitioner team in the community, no. or you can get your X-ray or your 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 other scans. With the greatest in the of respect, all of this 
sounds wonderful and it also sounds familiar because certain aspects of this we have heard before whether it is Mary Harney talking about the shift to primary care so that people aren't showing up in uh, emergency departments whether it's the NTPF which in and of itself when it was created we thought was a short term fix to buy foreign operations until we got things right in the Irish uh, system. Likewise the increase in hospital capacity we've heard since Brennan and Prospectus that this is what is needed. What guarantees if any have we got that this is not yet another false dawn? Because it's already happening. Okay. So I have sanctioned three and a half thousand new healthcare workers in the community to do several things. We have these things called community health networks, right? So that's the physios, the occupational therapists, the speech and language therapists, the psychologists, the dietitians, all of these amazing health and social care professionals. I've sanctioned three and a half thousand of them. There's about 1,600 now in place, uh, and we have about 2,000 either in place or shortly to be deployed. And our aim is to have all three and a half thousand in place by the end of the year. So this is not talk about primary care. This is not saying, do you know what we should do? This is saying we're in the middle of doing it. So let me just give you some very quick numbers, right? We're setting up 96 of these community healthcare networks teams. As we sit here this morning, 79 of the 96 are now in place. They're making a big difference. I was in Cork yesterday in St. Finbar's. They have a new team in place for older people. And the difference is I met some of the people, some of the people that they're serving. I was talking to a man who was 90 years of age, still blaming his 96-year-old brother for the fall that he took. Um, But what's happening now is instead of him sitting in in, uh, CUH in Cork for weeks or months, the teams, the occupational therapists, the physios, they're going into his home, right? So it's happening. It, it, it's very, but it's the, very the, real. While it is, and again, when we look at the things that we have sounded familiar, there have always been instances where a minister in your shoes has been able to point to successes, whether it is the creation of a CF unit, whether it is the shift to primary care. The difficulty has always been the broad systemic one. Tech saying, my daughter was just diagnosed with scoliosis in March 2021. We are still waiting for a consultant app- uh, appointment just yesterday it was confirmed that it would be a further six months so there's almost a two year waiting point for a young girl to get a a, a consultant appointment and what we all know is that there is that two tier system that if you are rich enough to be able to afford private insurance you still and for years to come this will be the case are able to jump the queue The plan we have for scoliosis kids it's something I've taken a very a personal interest and involvement in going back many years to when I met one of the dads, uh, Aaron Daly, uh, and he told me about his little girl, Sophia, and what she's been through. And I will never, ever forget it. And I made a commitment to Aaron and I made a commitment to the other parents that if I was ever privileged enough to be the Minister for Health, we would sort this out. The commitment I have from Children's Health Ireland and from CAPA is that by the end of this year, there will be no child waiting more than four months, unless there's a clinical there's a clinical reason. Uh, only er- earlier this week, I was looking at the extra activity that's happening this year now compared uh, to a few years ago. There are a lot of good things happening. So success for us will be, first of all, the private health insurance should be irrelevant. And that's one of the cornerstones of universal health care. It shouldn't matter in our republic, in one of the richest countries in the world, how much money you earn, or more importantly, I guess, or or, or more egregiously, how much money your mum or dad earn. 
uh, for the care that you get. Is there any chance, Minister, that there is an element of well-meaning naivete to that? If you put back on your management consultant hat from back in the day and I said, look, I have somebody here who's in a senior role within an organisation and they believe that they can cut a waiting time from currently nigh on two years Mm. to four months and they can do it in about three months, which is what you've just said. Mm. You'd say, can't be done. It just can't be done. So so how is how have you got the silver bullet that nobody else has produced? I think if I was sitting here talking about what we wanted to achieve hypothetically in the, at some point in the future, I think that would be exactly the accusation that you could and should make, right? But this is, this is real. So the extra operations uh, in Crumlin and in Kappa are happening now. Uh, let me give you an example in women's health. Women's health... When I came into office, I said women's health is going to be one of the top priorities for this government. And we're not looking for in, uh, incremental change. There hasn't been the level of investment in women's health there, there needs to be ever. So we, we have engaged in a program of radical transformation when it comes to women's health. Yesterday, I was in a new women's health centre in Cork uh, with Professor John Higgins and their team looking at urogynecology. The waiting lists until these new teams were put in place for women waiting for assessment around urogynecology were two years. Today, they're two weeks. Now, the next part, and we're we're systematically moving through this, they're saying, well, also, there's been a waiting list for referral to physio for two years. So we're staffing up the physiotherapy teams and they're now looking at bringing those waiting lists down as well. Right. So the reason that I uh, am very excited about what's happening is because we can now start pointing to things that are happening that are different. Uh, There's a new pilot in Bray, in my own constituency. There's a new mental health team being led by an advanced nurse practitioner. And these advanced practitioners, another really exciting development. And they, for their teams, have brought the waiting list down from many months um, to two days. So it is working. What we have to do is we have to keep keep up the progress, keep up the pressure, and make sure that we relentlessly target and reduce these waiting lists. A text saying, wow, if we could believe the minister, it sounds amazing. Sadly, he can spout all he likes, but things are currently a total disaster. Let me take you to one of those issues. That thing that was reported in the Irish Times today about the two thirds of emergency doctors suffering burnout. There's an immediate, acute, significant problem with the representatives of the doctor saying that kind of burnout leads to poor decision making. It drops clinical care, it runs mm. risks for patients. What's been done to solve that? There's a lot of different things being done, but let me talk specifically about the emergency medicine doctors themselves. One of the, one of the problems we have is we don't have enough of them. For example, again, I was in the Mercy Hospital in Cork yesterday. Uh, that has an emergency department, a very busy emergency department. They have about half a whole time equivalent emergency medicine doctor. Very nice fellow who I met yesterday. Half a doctor for their emergency uh, department. So what have we done? We've sanctioned another three and a half. So they're going to go from half a doctor to four doctors. So that's an eightfold increase in the amount of time we'll have an emergency medicine consultant on site. Uh, Galway. Galway is one of the busiest uh, and uh, one of the most difficult emergency departments uh, anywhere in the country. They currently have sanction, sorry, they currently have in situ four emergency medicine consultants. They should probably have about 16. They've sanctioned for eight. And I'm now working with, uh, with the HSE to look at sanctioning more. So essentially, Anton, to to your listeners who are who are listening to this from different parts of the country, they'll all know and the clinicians listening will all know that the solution in each emergency department is different, 
right? In the Mercy and CUH, where I was yesterday, different solutions needed. Uh, in Galway, Limerick, Sligo, which I visited recently, different solutions. So what I'm doing is working with the HSE and we're going through hospital by hospital for every ED in the country and saying, what are the challenges and what are the barriers here? And let's put in place but an action plan tailored for each that hospital. But is that not extraordinary that is not already known within the system? They didn't build the hospitals yesterday. Like, surely that is, uh, the, the system must be able to declare that to you instantly. I'll tell you what's wrong in the hospitals. We do run them after all. Any individual hospital hospital will be able to tell you what the problem is, right? They'll be able to tell you, well, we don't have uh, enough minor injury units. But it is that disjointed that that doesn't feed up to the HSE in the department? It hasn't been pulled together in a single plan in, in a way that is satisfactory for me. Right. Uh, so we put a huge amount of money in in uh, the winter plan for 2020, 21 is about 650 million euro. It worked very, very well because of the uh, COVID wave and because of the challenges of COVID and delayed care and lots of other uh, complicating factors. There were huge pressures in a lot of the emergency departments over the past few months. So what we're doing is we're putting a plan in place, but that recognizes that the solutions in Beaumont and Vincent's and Cork and Galway and Letterkenny, they're different solutions. Well, it's interesting you say about the chaos in the last couple of weeks. Tech saying, um, I was waiting two years for an op. I had dealings with A&E three times, different hospitals in the last six weeks. Absolute chaos. Also, I work in childcare for almost 30 years. They release documents like Better Outcomes, Brighter Future, while the real picture is stark. Paper exercises to sound good as if they are doing something. One of the things you say that you're doing is an independent review of the hospitals. Out of curiosity, how do you find an entity or an individual who is actually independent of the Irish health system to do that? Sorry, it's not an independent review. It's it's work we're doing with the HSE. The HSE needs to own these plans. They need to do that work with the Department of Health and then we need to, we need to implement them. So the HSE is in essence reviewing itself? Well, the HSE is looking hospital by hospital and saying, what are the gaps? What are the things that are needed? And then coming back and with the, with the Department of Health, we'll work through, is there additional funding required? Is there additional sanction for posts required? Is there additional home care required? Are there additional community beds required? And so forth. Um, and Tony O'Brien, the former head of the HSE, writing recently, described you as having used significant political capital to get the extra investment to get Robert Watt in the position of uh, Secretary General. A, was it worth it? B, is it working? Uh, yes and yes. Because because there has been too much talk in healthcare. Look at the National Maternity Hospital. We've been talking about that for nine years. In fact, people have been talking about that for, for since the 60s, right? Now it's going to get built. In Galway, there has been talk about an urgently needed new emergency department for 10 or 12 years. Now we're going to move ahead. In Cork yesterday, John will finish on this, in Cork yesterday, there is an urgent need for a state-of-the-art paediatric extension to CUH. And when I met the senior cl- clinical team, the main message they gave me was, we have the passion, we have the ideas, we know that the, the money is being sanctioned, but things aren't happening quickly enough. So what matters, Anton, is that we stop coming up with new strategies, except in women's healthcare where one was needed. We stop coming up with new strategies. We stop launching shiny brochures and we get the work done. And to your listeners, who I think very fairly and jadedly are saying we've heard a lot of this before, all I'd say is 
look at what has been put in place already in well, the last two years. Let us finish on that note because one of the difficulties is any Minister for Health is always able to come in and point to, as you have done and as is your right, improvements in various different aspects of the system mm. depending on how well the system is working overall. If we got you back in a year, what do we measure you on? What are the simple, clear specifics where we say, did that work or did it not? What will be different? Waiting lists. Access to care. Fixed in a year. Access to care. Look, you can't fix everything in a year, right? We all well, give us we, the things. We, we all know Nail that. colors to mask. Twelve months hence, what do we see? The big question for me, if you and I are sitting here in a year's time, the big question is, have we made big steps forward? But give to, me a couple to, of specifics. Well, no, I am. No, I, am I am. I am. I am. I'm trying to answer the question, right? Have we made big steps forward? in the goal, which is universal health care, in a way that matters to patients. Specific. So what I would say is, uh, have we made care more affordable? So next year, I want to see IVF publicly funded for the first time in Ireland. That would be one measure of affordability. In terms of quality, one of the big things that I've been pushing on is women's health care. So what you'd be able to say to me is, well, you committed... But to the big stuff, the no, waiting... Sorry, this is, sorry, women's health care is big. Right, This is big. And this is radical and nothing like this has ever been done before. So, so this isn't some minor thing we're doing. You should be able to say to me in a year's time, did you set up the 20 C and treat gynecology clinics? Did you set up the specialist menopause clinics, the specialist endometriosis clinics? Are the perinatal mental health teams in place? Are the new eating disorder teams in place for girls and young women? Right, That's tangible results that you must be able to hold me to account for. Will we and have then, inpatient treatment and, down to 12 week waiting? And, and then when it comes to access, what I would need to be able to show you is that the waiting lists have fallen that the areas where we're putting a big focus on things like gynaecology, scoliosis, paediatric orthopaedics, ophthalmology, that these things have fallen materially. Now, can it all be done in 12 months? Of course not. Of course not. But we'd have to be able to point to tangible progress on all of those things, bringing us towards the ultimate goal of universal healthcare in our country for the first time. Minister Stephen Donnelly, we look forward to talking again in May 2023. Thank, Thank you, you very much for coming in this morning. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.